being from Ohio, I had never really, you know, never really heard of. If, if there was, I would take a test and name all 50 states. Wyoming probably would have been one that I left out. Howdy and welcome to the Wild Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Graff. Alongside me is my co-host, Robert Munoz. It's a very exciting episode. An extremely exciting episode, folks. We have Larry Nance Jr. on with us here in a little bit. He was our guest this week. Former University of Wyoming big man. Honestly, the creator of Dunktown in Laramie. And now a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers was on to talk to us. About mostly about his time in Laramie, but he also, you know, sprinkled in some some Kobe nuggets for you guys to enjoy. uh, Some experiences that he had with Kobe Bryant. So that interview is, it's honestly epic. It's awesome. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that. But first, we're going to talk about Three things that we're looking forward to in football this season. Student-athletes return to the University of Wyoming campus on June 1st. So they're back. They're out there. They're getting ready for football season this fall. So we're going to talk about that. Both Robert and I made a list of three things that we're looking forward to this football season. Three things that we want to watch out for, look out for, basically. So we'll... We'll share those and we'll compare and we hope you enjoy it. And then to wrap up this episode, we're going to talk about the Mountain West Conference making a lot of cost-cutting moves. There's almost 10 initiatives that they're going to implement for the 2020-2021 academic year in an effort to cut costs. Now, they say they're only for this upcoming season, but... They could be here for a while and here to stay. So it's worth mentioning them and worth talking about those. So we'll wrap up the episode by talking about that. Before I get to Robert, I just want to thank University of Wyoming Athletic Director Tom Berman for releasing this statement on May 31st. My thoughts and prayers go out to all who are marginalized in our society. We cannot tolerate racial injustice. We are continually working to develop programming for our staff and student athletes to enhance a culture of respect and support with one simple goal. Help us all to understand each other better. We will endeavor to do an even better job going forward. And we hope society will agree to the same commitment. Nothing super powerful from that statement, but it just shows that the university of Wyoming cares and they're willing to acknowledge what's happening in our world right now, which is what we want to do as well before we get going on the podcast. I just hope that everyone stays safe and everyone does. They they make that same commitment to do an even better job of looking out for those in our community and just being aware of what's out there. So I want to get that done, and we'll get on with Wyoming Sports and the interview with Larry Nance. But first, Robert, how are you doing today? David, I'm excited. Excited to join you here for this week's episode of our Wild Sports Podcast. Um, yeah, man. 
good touch on that, reading Tom Berman's statement. Crazy times out here. This is a crazy year. I don't even... Unexplainable, man. But I see you safely made it down to Southern California. How was the move? I did make it down here safely. It was a long drive. Uh, My girlfriend's truck exploded near Butte, Montana. So we had a little bit of a detour in that sense. We... Stopped in Butte and stayed there for a day. She sold her truck for parts and rented a car. And we made the subsequent 14-hour trip from Butte all the way to Southern California here. She left a little bit before me. I stayed behind so we could get that Larry Nance Jr. interview in. And I'm loving it, honestly. I I said my first stop in California was going to be at In-N-Out. But I actually stopped at In-N-Out in Vegas and it might have been the best In-N-Out burger I've ever had. Like, it was so, it was just juicy, and the bun was all buttery, and, like, I, I had to hold on to it tight because it was one of those greasy burgers that just might fall out of my hand. It, it was delicious. It was honestly, it exceeded expectations. Did it exceed expectations because it has been so long, or was it just that great of a burger? It was just that great of a burger. If you know anything about Montana, where I was living, it is beef country. And pretty much every single place that is a restaurant is a burger place or a steak place or just they got cow on the menu. All right. They they don't care what your meat preference is. It better be beef. Oh, that's great, man. Glad to see you got yourself some In-N-Out, some Chick-fil-A. Next stop is Angelo's. Exactly. Next stop, Angelo's. But right now, next stop on this podcast, let's just jump right in. Three things that we're looking forward to in football. We'll take turns here. I'll start. First thing I'm looking forward to in this 2020 football season. Honestly, I'm very, very, very excited For football season to just start, September 5th, Weber State game, Wyoming should, they should beat the pants off Weber State, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I do want to look ahead on the schedule. The Utah game is something that I'm absolutely looking forward to. Old conference rivals, Utah has been a very, very strong Pac-12 program. And honestly, I think Wyoming is kind of catching them at a good time. I think Wyoming has the potential to beat Utah. Utah lost Zach Moss, their best rusher last season, and Tyler Huntley, their number one quarterback. They kind of had a similar situation to what Wyoming is kind of looking at at the quarterback situation, which I'm sure is on one of our lists here. So the last few years, so, but they lost their best one, Tyler Huntley. They lost a total of seven guys to the NFL. I think we could be catching Utah. I say we, like I'm on the football team. I think University of Wyoming football could be catching Utah at the absolute perfect time. They could be on a downward swing here. And I truly believe Wyoming can at least give them a game. They should give them a game. I know that 
Wyoming's defense may be down, but I think a healthy Sean Chambers and Craig Bowles still at the helm, I think there's a chance that Wyoming could be in this game and maybe pull out a victory. What do you think? There's nothing wrong with thinking that, David. Um, Obviously, Wyoming beat Missouri beginning of the year last year. SEC school, there's no reason they can't go and beat a Pac-12 school. And who knows what's going to happen with Utah football with Pac-12 football, David. They may not have as many practices. They may not be as prepared as they would have been in previous seasons. They may not have that conditioning that they will need when traveling to Laramie and playing at 7,220 feet. Wyoming could take advantage of that like they normally do. And yeah, absolutely, you're correct. Utah lost their starting quarterback, Zach Moss, who was huge. And Wyoming could run away with a victory in that one. But I'll go ahead and I'll give you my number one thing that I'm looking forward to, University of Wyoming football next season, and that is the quarterback competition. Or will it be a quarterback collaboration? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, Levi Williams took Wyoming to that bowl victory. Sean Chambers is coming back from his injury. We know how good Sean Chambers was last year. I mean, Levi Williams came in as a freshman. He did what he needed to do. He won. That's what. That's what we want quarterbacks to do. Even, I mean, he's not the greatest passer right now, but he got the job done. He was winning. What do you think, David? Do you think they're going to use both quarterbacks? It kind of seems like they almost have to at this point unless one of them stands out that much better. And I think maybe stands out that much better in the passing game because obviously they can both run the ball behind that dominant offensive line that is returning. I don't know who said it, but it was a very smart football person, much smarter than myself, who said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. That's why I think the quarterback should be Sean Chambers. Sean Chambers was 5-1 and one last year. He beat Missouri. He His freshman year, he led the team to bowl eligibility. They should have gone to Sean Chambers much earlier than they did. And if they had, I think the team would have ended up with seven wins and made a bowl game. But Craig Bowl didn't make the call early enough. I trust Coach Bowl's judgment. I think that he'll have both these guys in a situation to succeed. I just don't think that I don't think that Levi Williams is the guy. I know that Sean Chambers is the guy. He's proved it out there. When he's on the field, Wyoming wins. They rally around this guy. They do whatever it takes to win. Except, obviously, that Tulsa game last year was a little bit of a black mark. I don't know why they didn't pull that game out. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But Levi was really, really good against Georgia State. He obviously was fortunate. There were some passes where he just threw it up and his guys went and made plays and... When your guys make plays like that, it can honestly suck the life out of your opponent. But he was he was excellent against Georgia State, and he deserved 
all of the credit. I don't know if he deserves all of this buzz heading into this season because in the regular season, he was not very good. But with all of that preparation up to the bowl game, he looked sharp. Now we'll see. I think Sean Chambers, though, he should be the guy. Do you think that he should be the guy or do you think it should be a collaboration or should it even be a competition? To be honest, David, I do agree with you. Teams are going to start filling the box when they realize that Sean Chambers does, I mean, he's not the greatest passer in the world and Levi Williams hasn't proven to be any better. So we have this, I say we as well, like we're on the team. The Cowboys have these wide receivers who they haven't yet proven that they're huge playmakers. I know Everhart, Aiden Everhart, caught that touchdown in the bowl game. And like you were just saying, the receivers, Valade, they were making plays, and they definitely made Levi Williams look better. I'm not saying Levi Williams looked bad. He looked great, but they did help him look better. So is it going to come down to who can pass the ball better? Do you think Sean Chambers is going into next season as the number one quarterback right now? Absolutely, 100%. His mindset, the team's mindset, should be that Sean Chambers is the guy. Yeah, and that I think that's big for him and for the team as a whole. It'll definitely help his mentality there, his confidence and his him knowing that the team still trusts him and that, I don't know, you do say maybe if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. I do believe they could potentially work together. They could both play snaps and they can both be productive. It sounds like you're rooting for the quarterback collaboration, which is fine. I think it could work if anyone was going to get it to work, it would be Coach Bowl. That said, I'm in favor of Sean Chambers. Let the record reflect Team Chambers over here. Yeah, I think we'll just have to see some sort of production come out of the receiving core. And I'm coming from Levi and Sean Chambers passing the ball. It's going to be huge. It's going to open up the offense if they will be able to do that. And it's going to open up running lanes for the Wyoming running backs and Xavier Valade, which rolls me into the second thing that I'm looking most forward to in this upcoming season for the University of Wyoming football team. I really am anxious to see if he can keep that ball rolling. He ended the season on such a high note. Just It was awesome watching him run in that bowl game. He was dominating on the ground. He averaged... 7.8 yards per carry in that game. He was running all over Georgia State. Xavier Valade led the Mountain West in rushing with 1,265 rushing yards. Six of the final seven games of the season, he had 100 or more rushing yards. And he wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. He ultimately took the starting spot because Trey Smith, Titus Twin, they got hurt. He took over the reins. Midway through the season, David, and he proved himself. 
he was just dominant on the ground. And in that Georgia State game, you just said the offense was making plays. They were helping Levi Williams out. He had almost 100 yards receiving that touchdown. He's. Uh, I'm really anxious to see if he can keep it going. And now it looks like Trey Smith and Titus Wynn will be back. But Valade is going to be the clear number one going into next season. And we'll see if he can continue to do what he finished the season doing. Valaday is an absolute bell cow. The Madison, Illinois product, he is a treasure to watch. I had totally forgotten about how much of a force he was in that bowl game. Not just running the ball, I remember that vividly. But catching the ball, he was unbelievable. I'm very excited to see what he can do in a full season of work. That's a Excellent point. A great thing to be looking forward to. I'm going to roll here into my second thing. Everybody knows I am a huge Cooper Roth stan. So how are they going to replace him? How are you going to replace the all-time scorer in program history, Cooper Roth, at the kicking position Kicking is an important part of the game. I have gotten up on the podium, on the soapbox, talked about how important special teams is. Craig Bowl is obviously the special teams coordinator, so he obviously understands it as well. Special teams can make or break games. It swings games, especially late games, late game field goals. How do you replace Cooper Roth? I don't know. I hope they have a good plan going forward. I hope they don't have to kick as many field goals because Sean Chambers is that quarterback punching balls into the end zone. But that's just me. Yeah, hopefully they're punching the ball into the end zone behind, like we said, that dominant offensive line, that dominant running back we were just discussing, and those two quarterbacks who are big, they're physical, and they obviously aren't scared of contact. They'll meet those big linebackers at the goal line. We should see some historic trucking this season between Sean Chambers, Levi Williams, and Xavier Valade. I expect at least one guy just getting sprawled out on his butt every game due to a massive hit provided by an offensive player. That's not something that you see a lot at any level of football. Let's wrap this thing up here. The three things we're looking forward to. At first I said the Utah game. Then how do you replace Cooper Roth, as I just mentioned? Robert went with the quarterback competition, collaboration, controversy, whatever you want to call it, as well as the hype surrounding Xavier Valade at the running back position, which is just and duly deserved. The final thing, and this is this has implications for the program for years to come, how many fans are going to be in the stands? Tom Berman told Wyo Sports, Michael Katz, they need to at least have 10,000 people in the stands. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense to have football I believe 
they'll if if it's okay, they're gonna have way more than ten thousand people there. But it will be intriguing to see how many people come out and support this football team in person next season. The offense is surprisingly, this is something that in the last few years people haven't been able to say, all around loaded with talent. The defense lost a few guys, so this team could be really, really good next season, as well as a lot of schools, a lot of schools in the conference have lost guys, lost key contributors. Not that Wyoming hasn't. Logan Wilson, Cash Malawia, Elijah Halberton, all important pieces to the defense last season. I'm just curious how many fans are able to show up and how many, how many fans will show up. That, that's a very intriguing storyline to monitor over the summer. We'll find out what happens. Maybe, maybe professional sports that are getting going during the summer here end up actually having people in the stands so it becomes a non-issue. Something that we don't know, I don't know, only time will tell. What's your third and final thing, Robert? You rolled right into it there, David. My third and final thing that I'm looking forward to in this upcoming season is who is going to step up on the defensive side of the ball. You talked about it. Logan Wilson's gone. Cash Malouia's gone. Elijah Halliburton's gone. But the thing is, a couple years ago, we didn't expect these guys to be who they were last season. We didn't expect them to be for two of them, Cash and Logan, we didn't really expect them to be in the league too much, did we? Maybe Logan. I think Elijah Halliburton should probably be on an NFL roster right now. But what I'm getting at is something we have talked about before in that bold developed players. Craig Bull is great at developing players so I'm expected as I look down through this roster through the depth chart not a lot of these guys besides the defensive line have gotten too many reps I mean they have their experience that experience is there but it's a young group of guys when you look at it and especially that linebacking core Chad Muma, one of the few ones who appeared in every game. We'll just have to see, David, and I'm really anxious to see who makes their name known, stand out on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be exciting to see who steps up, David, and makes a name for themselves on that Cowboys defense. I know it'll be somebody, like I said, Chad Muma, he had 51 Total tackles last season. There are a couple of DBs who got a lot of reps last year. Hopefully they can come out and prove themselves this season. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see who steps up from the defense. I do think that Craig Bowles, Pro Football Factory, and Laramie will keep rolling on, and somebody from the defense will establish themselves next year. I just hope, and this is only because – due to the quarantine, shelter-in-place, whatever you want to call it, it has made it 
a little bit risky to visit a barber. I hope that somebody or everybody on the defense continues, you know, the tradition. Just have that long, golden, brown, whatever color hair you got. Just let those locks fly, all right? That, that's how you know you're a badass on the defense out there if you're from the University of Wyoming. You have the long hair. And it should be mandatory now that it, it's risky to go get a haircut. That's all I'm saying. Enough for that from now. We'll probably do this again as football season gets closer. We don't even need to hype you up. But Larry Nance Jr. coming up right now. Went to the University of Wyoming, won Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year in his senior season. In addition to helping lead the team to the tournament that year, he was drafted in the first round by the Los Angeles Lakers. He's now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was nice enough to join us, talk to us for about 15 minutes, mostly about his time in Laramie, but also he told us a few Kobe stories, or a Kobe story. That uh, is pretty cool. And honestly, can't really hype it up much more than that. So please enjoy this interview with Larry Nance Jr. And swatted by Nance. Quick Five hands. Wyoming blocks. Quick hands by Larry Nance Jr. Hankerson. Nance! Going down, big fella. Very excited now to welcome in a former University of Wyoming basketball player, and a current member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Larry Nance Jr. Larry, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. We're really excited to have you. I mean, we're here interviewing you today. Can't get any better than this. Want to start off with, you grew up, you're the son of an NBA All-Star. You also carry his namesake. I know you're a big soccer fan. You like Chelsea Premier League's getting going here soon. Was it always basketball for you? Uh, no, actually. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm a big soccer fan, so um, you know that was actually my first love uh, from a sport perspective. You know, I, I played that game uh, from as soon as I could walk until I until I grew. So uh, until about I was until I was like a sophomore in high school was when I had to stop playing because I got got a little bit too big to be out there. So you dedicate your time to basketball and. You're a pretty good high school basketball player. You're recruited by schools like Michigan, Michigan State, and some others around the Midwest. How did you actually end up at the University of Wyoming? Uh, so I ended up at Wyoming. It was actually Larry Shiat. So uh, he uh, he's a Cleveland guy himself, and so uh, you know he came to watch me work out. You know, just at my high school, and and. Uh, you know, just kind of like had a big Wyoming gear on. You know, being from Ohio, I had never really, you know, never really heard of. If, if there was, I would take a test and name all fifty states. Wyoming probably would have been one that I left out. Just didn't know anything about it. So he came and, and convinced me to take a visit out there, and, and I went with, uh, you know, one of my best friends at the time, Jack you know, Jack Bench, who ended up being a walk on for us. And uh, you know, it, it, we both kind of. We both kind of fell in love as soon as we, as soon as we got out there. Like it was the perfect visit. Like it, it, it rained, it snowed, and it was sunny all on the same day, which was like, as you guys know, perfect home, like the perfect experience for Larry. During college, uh, you overcame a lot of obstacles. You tore your ACL. You had mono there. 
what do you think the biggest obstacle you overcame was during your time in Laramie? Um, gosh, it, was, it was probably tearing my ACL. Uh, that one, that was uh, actually not, not too many people. That was my junior year. And, uh, I had actually just, you know, I talked to, I was playing really well that year, talked to Shia, talked to my parents, talked to um, all the people that I, that I really trusted. And, and uh, I, I had decided the night before I tore my ACL, I decided that, all right, I'm going to, I'm gone after this year. I'm going to leave and, and declare for the draft. And um, then the very next night went out and tore my ACL. So it was like, you know, it was a setback. It was a major bummer, but, you know, getting to come back and play my senior year, win the tournament and all that stuff was, um, you know, something that, something that I never even could have dreamt of. So I'm, all in all, I wouldn't say I'm happy I tore it, but you know, there's a lot, a lot of good that came from it. Who would you say your biggest rival was when you were at the University of Wyoming? Obviously, there's a rivalry with UW and Colorado State, but who was somebody either on the court or a team that you just got excited, you got fired up to go up against? Uh, New Mexico, for sure. The Lobos, they they had our number for what for majority of the times we played them and then uh, they had pros they had tony snell they had alex kurt uh hugh greenwood cameron Barso, kendall williams like they had some really good teams and really good players and uh that was one team that we could never really get over the hump of beating and uh until until my senior year and then we we, once we beat them it was like i i would have rather that was that that made my whole year just beating that team so New Mexico was probably the biggest rival I had individually. Was the pit the toughest place to play at? Uh, the pit is tough. Um, I would say it was more so just the team that was good. The toughest place to play is San Diego State. That is, um, that, that that's a nightmare going in there. So you helped establish downtown. Obviously, that was a big thing in Laramie. You had, I mean, so many highlight reel dunks. What was your favorite or your most memorable dunk during your time at UW? Um, gosh, my favorite was probably uh, – I had one uh, – Josh Adams threw me a lob in the, my senior year playing when we blew out Colorado on our home court. Uh, and he threw me a lob that I caught right on top of their star center, Josh Scott. And uh, that was really one of my first dunks since one, like one of my first big dunks since uh, since I had torn my ACL. So for me, that was more so than just a. It was more than just a just a dunk. It was there was a lot behind that. So you know that that's probably my favorite. You're obviously known for your dunking, but you were a pretty good defensive player in your time in Laramie. Where do you think those defensive disciplines came from? Were you always dedicated to defense, or was that something that you grew during your time in Laramie? Uh, no, that's always something that uh, that's always something that I kind of prided myself on. You know, my dad is a my dad was a, an elite defensive player, so um, you know that's always something that he really preached. You know, he really preached to all his kids. You know, me, me and my me, and my brother and sister growing up, uh, like, hey, look, one thing, one thing that you're not, you've got to do is play D. So uh, I also think it really helps to have Larry Shy as a coach, who's very much so a defensive guru as well. So. Um, I've definitely had some really good defensive influences in my life. That Mountain West Championship game in 2015 against San Diego State was an absolute slugfest. What do you remember most about that game? Gosh, what I remember most about that game, I think it was 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, Josh Josh Adams was ridiculous that whole tournament. He was really good that entire time. So, you know, being able to have him, um, have him as, as kind of my as kind of my Robin for that for that um, for that for that tournament run was was huge. I mean, he was uh, he was pretty spectacular. I think uh, I think he he's he's honestly he's the reason we won that he won the tournament. So like. Honestly, when I think back of winning a championship in the championship game, it was like his performances that really stood out to me. You stayed all four years during your time in college, which is something that's very unique given the current landscape in the NBA today. What would you say your game developed the most during your four years in college? Um, the part of my game that developed the most probably – Honestly, it was just, I got to school as a, um, as like, I think I was like 6'6 when I got there. Um, I was, you know, less than 200 pounds. And then when I left, I was, you know, six, I was 6'8 and a half, 240. And so I think the biggest, the biggest part of it was just like my body. Like I, I grew, you know, grew into a man and, you know, got stronger, got more athletic and, um, I don't know. I think all four years, I'm super glad I stayed all four because it helped me grow up. What is one memory that stands out above the rest from your four years in college? Um, beating, probably beating San Diego State um, on our home court and, and having the court, like when the fans stormed the court. They were fifth in the nation. Uh, you know, they were really good. And then you know, when, we beat them, when we beat them in Laramie, uh, having the fans on the court celebrating with us was, was probably my favorite. You're obviously very proud of your time at Wyoming. It's still in your Twitter and Instagram bios. What does it mean to be a cowboy to you? Well, to me, it was uh, a lot of the reason I went there because, you know, this is a, you know, I, I think it's incredible that it's, you know, that the university is essentially the professional sport professional sports teams of Wyoming because, you know, there's obviously no actual special sports team. So, you know, I just think it's, it's so cool that, you know, the entire state rallies around one university and, and there's no split fandom. Like it's, it's, uh, to me, I, I love being there so much. I chose the school because, um, because of what it means to everybody around. Um, and it means the same to me. Like I, I, like I said, if I could do it again, I would do the exact same thing. Stay all four years. I picked the right school. I picked the right people. And, and uh, you know, like you said, I'm just very proud of, uh, very proud that, that I, I, I got to wear the, got to wear the brown and gold. Yeah, you hear a lot of professional athletes, whatever, say how much uh, Wyoming meant as a whole to them. But we know how much you admired Kobe Bryant, what he meant to you. I'm just kind of curious. What was it like to play with him? Um, it was uh, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, he uh, you know, getting to be on the same team as, as you know one of the pretty much un, uh, undeniable top five basketball players ever, and the legend that is like the mom, the Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, I, I came in with this you know with this certain expectation of like, all right, this guy, you know, he's he's you know, he's, he's a, he's a myth. Like he's one of the basketball, he's a living basketball guy. And, um, you know, he, he, it, it's hard to live up to expectations when you've got that on you, but he, 
surpassing. I mean, the, the, the work ethic he had, the type of leadership he had, um, you know, just the aura around him, the competitiveness was something that I, I haven't really, uh, something that hasn't, I haven't seen again. Um, my time with him is something, is, is, uh, something that I, I'll, I'll cherish forever. We always hear, uh, ex players and Kobe talk about, they have, they all have stories about what he's done, what he has said. Do you have a Kobe story for us that you'd be willing to share with us? Um, well, yeah, I mean, so obviously I, I, as you guys know, like you, you just said, I, I came out of, came out of college as, you know, a high flying, you know, I, I jumped. That's what I did. I'm an athlete. I, uh, jumped super high, throw down hard. That's what I did. And then when I got to the NBA, um, for some reason throughout training camp and preseason, you know, I, I just, you know, like, all right, dude, this is the NBA. There's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, pull that same stuff against these guys. So I started trying to like, you know, play with some finesse and try to, you know, finish around guys, layups and floaters and whatnot. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget. It was, I think it was against the Hawks, you know, Al Horford and Paul Millsap were playing against them. And, and I was shooting all these floaters and layups kind of, you know, missing them and, and, you know, getting frustrated with myself about like, all right, why? I never missed these before. Why well, I missed them all this stuff. And he like, and Kobe gave me a pass. I missed the floater. And he like took me by my shirt, like got me by my, my jersey and was like, hey, look, dunk everything. I don't care who's in front of you. I don't care if they're, if you don't think you can make it. I don't care if this, 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 you know, whatever it was. It's like, it, seemed, it sounds so simple. It just dunk everything. And so like from that moment on, it was just like, look, Kobe said it, I got to do it. So, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't even. It wasn't even like my decision to do so. It was just like, all right, well, who wants me to dunk everything? So I'm just going to dunk everything. And um, it just it sounds so simple. Like, duh. Well, I wasn't doing that before. That's what got me there. But um, you know, him saying it just kind of gave me the added the added confidence that like, like yeah, these guys are good, but so am I. And uh, you know, so for me, like that changed. Obviously, that changed my whole career. Like he, you know, just. Um, and now that's what I do. That's that's who I've become. And so, um, you know, just just any little bit of advice he, he that's who he was. Any bit of advice that he gave you, just like it was so, um, it just meant more than it seemed. Like every word had so much gravity behind it that that he uh, he just made you. He just I don't know made you feel like you could do more than you thought you could. Well, that sounds kind of like your moment that you arrived. You're in introduction you really felt like you were an nba player so i want to wrap it up here with what's it like right now for you as an nba player what's life like right now in the nba uh gosh right now it's pretty slow um there's there's not a whole lot going on right now we're just waiting to hear the news of of the season returning or 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 not um you know it, it sounds crazy but i i literally know as much as you guys on, on, on that matter. So, um, life's good. I'm just, I'm in Ohio. Um, uh, in Ohio, got, got my, you know, my wife and dogs here. We're just waiting it out, waiting to see what's going on. And, and, uh, you know, if, if we do come back, I'll be ready. Well, we really appreciate you spending some of your spare time with us here. Thank you so much, Larry Nance Jr., member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thank you again. And good luck when basketball gets going again. No problem. Appreciate it, guys. 
Low house inside. Tuttle's pass through the hands of Bus taken by Adams. Wyoming showing some life. Adams the spin. And it's dunked back in by Nance. Well, you get the sense the senior. He doesn't want to go quietly. Great run by him. Great follow. Not giving up on the play. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Larry Nance Jr. It was absolutely awesome. Super exciting to have him as the first first guest for our Poke Pros series. Hoping to do that all summer long, especially this month of June. I really appreciate it. Also want to say thank you to his representation for helping set that up. That was awesome. They were really, really easy to work with, and I really appreciate them and Larry Nance Jr. for giving us the time for making that happen. It was certainly a treat for myself and Robert. I'm sure it might have been a first for him since he left Laramie to have three pokes in one interview. I meant to ask him about that. Hope to have him on again soon or sometime in the future. We shall see. He's a really good dude. So, Yeah, that was a great interview, David. I'm glad we could do that. Hopefully that'll get our Pokes and the Pros series underway. We can have some more ex-Cowboys, current and former professional athletes on the show for you guys. You guys can listen to what they, what they have to say and how life is now for those ex-Cowboys. Don't call them ex-Cowboys because once you're a Cowboy, you're a Cowboy for life. All right? Especially if you walk across that stage. So I guess you're an ex-Cowboy because you didn't get to walk across the stage. I'm sorry, Robert. Those are just the rules. I don't make them. I just enforce them. That's all right. I didn't want to go anyway. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll wrap this podcast up right here. The Mountain West Conference has instituted a bunch of cost-cutting measures this year in the hopes to, you know, save some money. That's what we're all trying to do right now. Basically, if there's a conference championship, you're get, it's, it's out. It's out. Almost all of them have been either canceled or reduced to a few days. And if you were hoping to attend a media days, it's going to be from your living room. Because media days are now virtual events. The biggest... The biggest thing besides the elimination of conference tournaments in baseball and men's and women's tennis and women's soccer, as well as the adjustment to the media days, is they have reduced conference base. No, is that they will allow institutions to schedule non-division one opponents in men's basketball. Previously, it had been you were not allowed to schedule one, anyone with an RPI of 250 or worse. So under the old basketball regime, that might have been a welcome thing because they could have used some non-D1 opponents to boost that win-loss record. But with Jeff Linder at the helm, no more. He's not going to do it. That's not going to make his team any better, is it? But with Jeff Linder at the helm, he's not scheduling any opponents that are non-D1. Robert's right. That's not making the team any better. Nope. Instead, Linder is focused on scheduling games with 
teams like the University of Arizona. Exactly. Which will make the team which will make the team better, which will give the team experience playing big games, which will give the team experience against those big schools and those better players and prepare them for hopefully some postseason play. Exactly. If you want to read more about the cost-cutting measures, you can go check out Michael Katz at Michael L. Katz. That's Katz with a Z and a K on Twitter. He's got all of the information, all of the details on these cost-cutting measures because we're we're running out of time here. We got to roll. Robert, is there anything that you want to add before we get out of here? Nothing much I want to add, David. I'm just excited to be on here with you again. It's nice seeing you. I hope our listeners are enjoying. And just thanks for listening out there. Everyone who is listening, we really appreciate it. And stay safe out there, everyone. Yes, we most certainly do appreciate all of our listeners. And please do stay safe. And please do continue subscribing, rating, and reviewing to the podcast. It warms my heart, and it warms Robert's heart. And we're having a lot of fun doing this. And we like bringing you awesome interviews like Larry Nance Jr. And hopefully a few more good current and forever Cowboys that have had professional sports careers. So we're excited to bring those to you. We'll, we'll tell you more about those later. Please, if you feel so inclined, donate to the podcast. We're really working hard out here. We're grinding. We want to bring this to as many people, as many Pokes fans as we can. Also, shout out to Shakewell for the music. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Links in the description of the podcast here. You can donate to the podcast at that same link in the description. Be safe, guys, and we'll see you next week. Go Pokes, and we're out. Some notes and take some time. Almost a sign in shot.